They say that when you're gathering together with other people, it's a good idea not to talk about religion, politics, or money. Now, as a Christian pastor, it's hard for me not to talk about my faith when I'm with other people, not to talk about religion, those sorts of things. And in the midst of our church life right now, as we're in the final frontier, as we're getting ready to to move into our new campus, it's happening just after we had this historic election in the United States of America for president and Senate and Congress and governors and judges and all those sorts of things. And so we're in the midst of this political climate that's dividing our nation. And by the way, next Sunday, I've invited you to think and pray about making a financial commitment to support the ministries of the church in 2021. So I'm kind of in a tough spot. If I can't talk about religion, politics, and money, there's a lot, a lot that I'm going to be able to say today because there's so much going on in the world right now that's relevant. Again, our nation is divided right down the middle. I am filming this message on Wednesday, November 4th, just the day after the election, And so far, there has not been a decision about who is going to be the president of the United States of America. Now, lots of senators and congresspersons have been elected. Some of those offices are still open. But as of now, I'm not sure who has won. And maybe when you're watching this on Sunday, we still might not know. And in the midst of that, there's this huge political and social divide that's tearing at the fabric of our nation. People are boarding up stores and businesses in in downtown areas all over the United States just for fear of protests and riots and, and violence that might come up no matter who wins the presidential election. And so I think it would be remiss of me not to talk about what's going on in the world right now, especially as we're getting ready to launch in our new campus coming out of the final frontier into this world in the United States, this culture that is so divisive. How do we as Christians navigate that? Especially when in our own church, we don't agree on everything. We certainly don't agree on politics. We don't agree on all social issues. Uh, We even sometimes don't agree on biblical and theological issues. And so how do we as Christians hope to navigate this and stay unified together in the midst of all that's going on in the world. So I just want to invite you to offer me some grace as we talk about these issues, as I just challenge us to think theologically, to think biblically about how we as followers of Jesus can try to love our community and our, our state and our nation and, and keep it together, and that we would come out on the other side stronger and more unified as people in South Park and Charlotte and North Carolina and the United States of America and citizens of the world. And again, today, for me, is Wednesday, November the 4th. And whether we have an elected president and the Congress and Senate are all done yet or not when we're watching this, I would just offer up this truth. Whoever is or is not elected, Jesus Christ is still Lord of all. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior of all. Our ultimate leader has not changed. And I find a great deal of strength and hope in that. Because if you look at the history of the world, you look at the history of our country, leaders come and go. Nations and empires rise and they fall. Sometimes governments are open to Christianity and allow it to be legal, and sometimes governments don't. And Christians are persecuted and oppressed and even killed. And at the end of the day, 
Jesus Christ is still Lord of all, and his church continues to move forward. So I take comfort in that. I hope that you will take comfort in that, that as earthly leaders come and go, Jesus remains in control, and Jesus is Lord of all. I want to dive into some scripture today. I'm going to start with the Gospel of John. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. And this was written by John, who was one of the 12 disciples. And we are at the point in Jesus's life where he has been arrested for something that he hasn't done wrong. Well, actually several charges against him. One of them is that he's claiming to be a, a king that's going to revolt against the Roman government. And now Jesus has been taken before one of the, the local Roman rulers. His name is Pilate. And some of the religious leaders, uh, the Jewish religious leaders, of which Jesus is, was a Jewish person, have accused him of claiming to be the king of the Jews. And they're trying to twist it so that the Romans will think that's a political threat to them and that they will kill Jesus. So this is Jesus before Pilate. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or that others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. In other words, you would have a military fight on your hands. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. So Jesus is indeed a king. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king of the world, the king of the universe. But Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world. It's different than an earthly kingdom. And what's happening here is that when Jesus was born as a baby, when, when he's getting ready to die and come back to life on the cross, Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven, which is his kingdom, into the earth, right? Into the real world, into our world, right? And so Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven with him into the world, in part, partially here. It will be brought in full when he comes back in his full glory in the second coming in the flesh. But at this point, with Pilate and even up to our day, Jesus's kingdom is, is among the earthly kingdom, and they both kind of coexist together. And Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this earth. And when Jesus was on the earth and when he was as a human being while still being God, he taught about the kingdom. And Jesus said things about the kingdom of heaven that are just so different than the kingdoms that are on the earth. Jesus said, you'll be blessed uh, through the kingdom of heaven when you're meek and when you're merciful and when you make peace, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you are weak, I am strong in you. And so the attributes that we value as kingdoms and, and governments on the earth are not at all what Jesus values, and Jesus is bringing this kingdom in. Uh, Jesus goes on to say that in his kingdom, that we love our enemies, that we turn the other cheek, that we pray for those who persecute us. And so Jesus' kingdom that he's brought into our earth turns 
our idea of what kingdom and government is upside down. I want to continue in Matthew's gospel where Jesus is talking himself about when he comes back and how he is going to come back as the king and be in charge of everything. But again, he turns things on their head when we consider what a, a government or a kingdom should be. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was another one of the 12 disciples recording Jesus' word, talking about when he comes back to bring in the full kingdom of God. When the Son of Man, that is Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So Jesus will be the king, the ultimate king, and he's going to judge everyone. And we're going to have to stand before Jesus and to be judged. And we want to be on the right side, the, right, the side of the sheep and not on the left side, the side of the goats. And, and then Jesus goes on to say who those sheep are and who those goats are. And basically the people who get into the kingdom are, are those who surrender to Jesus, who confess him as Lord and Savior, who receive his forgiveness and, and accept what he did for us on the cross, dying on the cross and coming back to life so that we may live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of God. It's through our faith in what Christ has done and our turning away from our, our life without Jesus and inviting him to be our Lord and Savior. And in this Matthew uh, chapter 25, Jesus goes on to say that, that we are in his kingdom when we see people who are hungry and we feed them, when we see people who are thirsty and we give them something to drink, when we see a stranger and we welcome them, when we see someone who's sick or in prison and we go and we visit them. Not that our actions earn us a, a ticket into the kingdom of heaven, but because of our faith in Christ, our lives have been transformed. And the byproduct of that is, is, is how we live our lives. And we are merciful. And we do seek after righteousness. We do feed those who are hungry. We do reach out to those who are strange or who are oppressed and, and try to love them and, and, and give them better in their lives. And so Jesus is the king now and forever and in charge and his kingdom is so very different from what we think of as earthly kingdoms. Another thing about Jesus's kingdom is, is why it exists and who he came for. Jesus didn't come to start a new nation or to bless a specific government. Jesus came so that every person in the world could be reconciled to God. In John 3.16 in the Bible, Again, going back to John's gospel, chapter 3, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And what I take from that, there's a lot in there, but what I want to focus on today is, it says, For God so loved the world. It doesn't say, For God so loved the Democrats, or God so loved the Republicans, or God so loved the Independents, or God so loved... America, or God so loved China, right? God so loved the world. Jesus came for all of us, and Jesus loves all of us equally. Jesus loves Donald Trump and Joe Biden equally. Jesus loves Mike Pence and Kamala Harris equally. Jesus loves Tom Tillis and Cal Cunningham equally. Jesus loves Roy Cooper and Dan Forrest equally, right? Jesus loves everyone equally, right? Republicans and Democrats and independents. God loves us all equally. And God loves America. 
And I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm glad to be in America. And I'm glad to be born in America. My son was kept in America for Halloween. And it's the greatest country, I think, that's in the world right now. And yet, sometimes I think as Americans, we believe we have this special favor from God, that God is on our side and is not on anyone else's side. But again, that's not true. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God loves America. God loves China. God loves Russia. God loves Cuba. God loves the Sudan. God loves Haiti. God loves the Congo. God loves Canada. God loves Mexico. God loves the United Kingdom. God loves Australia. God loves us all equally. And we need to remember that and quit elevating ourselves over others, thinking that God shows us favor and not favor to others, right? God loves us all. God loved and loves Mother Teresa as much as God loves Adolf Hitler. And that's the truth. That's hard to hear. Now, I think that God was happier with the way that Mother Teresa lived her life than Adolf Hitler lived his life, right? God doesn't like evil and killing and, and, and things like that. And so, yeah, we, what we do matters to God. And God's going to like some of the things that we do, and God's not going to like some of the things that we do. But at the end of the day, we are all citizens of God's kingdom if we choose to allow that to happen. We are all created in God's image, And so God loves us all equally. And so I think that's something that we need to think and pray about in the midst of this election as we're so divided. Because a lot of times we think that God's on our side and not on the sides of who is on the other side. Whether that's Democrat, Republican, whether that's gay or straight, black or white, young or old, male or female, educated, not educated. We can go on and on and on. God loves us all equally. Now, it doesn't mean that life's always going to be rosy and we're going to have an easy and a clear path because leaders will be elected and leaders have power and leaders will use their power and that will affect the rest of the people that are in the country. And so sometimes that affects us negatively and sometimes it affects us positively. Sometimes we prosper and sometimes we are oppressed and terrible things happen. And so I know that there's a lot of fear right now about Who's elected? Are we going to become a socialist country? Going to become a dictatorship? You know, with all this stuff that's you know flowing around on the media and social media, and and so that's why it's important for us as followers of Jesus to do our homework and to make prayerful decisions about who we elect. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, "God, may Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Right? Your kingdom come here. Right? That's what we pray. And so part of what we do is we help Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit bring in and advance that kingdom of God. And so as followers of Jesus, we should make informed choices about the people that we think are going to make the most godly decisions. And we think and and we pray about that. And, you know, that's the way that we participate in the political system as Christians. We want to try and elect people who are going to make decisions and honor God. And then honor people. And that's harder to do than you might think. But I'm sure you experience that. In my own experience, I, you know, I've discovered that uh, with, with all kind of candidates, this candidate, there's things I like about candidate A. And there's things that I don't like about candidate A. There's things that I like about candidate B. And there's things that I don't like about candidate B. And I think in my mind that God would support some of the things that candidate A does and not support some of the things that candidate A does. And the same thing is true for candidate B. God would approve of some things that candidate B does and 
not approve of some things that candidate B does. And so at the end of the day, we have to choose which of the issues God is speaking to us are, are more important. And, and we make those decisions and we elect people. And we got to remember that they're human beings and they're not going to be perfect and they're not going to make perfect decisions. They're going to make some good decisions and, and some bad decisions. And sometimes it feels like, though, we have to pick the lesser of two evils. And none of us likes to have to admit that. And, and some politicians are, are just doing really well. Right? It's a mixed bag, but it's hard and it's challenging. And we're divided over that in our lives. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that some of us in our hearts are really saying, right, I believe this about this social issue and God is with me. And there's other Christians, maybe even in our same church, that say, well, I believe the opposite about that issue and God is with me. Right? And so we, we're both reading the same Bibles. We're both coming to the same church. We're both praying the similar prayers. We're, we're singing the same songs. And yet we're so far apart about what we believe about social issues and political issues. But we believe that God is on our side. And this is the way that we're trying to help advance God's kingdom when we're doing the exact opposite of what other Christians are doing. So how are we supposed to deal with that? And that's a, that's a tough one. But let's continue thinking and praying about what that is. When we think God's on our side, someone thinks God's on their side. And we're saying two exact opposite things. How are we supposed to navigate that? In the book, Resident Aliens, some theologians from Duke University talk about all kinds of things about religion and politics. It's a fascinating read, and it, it might blow your mind if you read it because it's not your everyday kind of thought process. There are some radical things in there that you're probably going to find out. But one of the comments kind of struck a chord with me, and it just really made me think about this, and I still think about this. And they say that if a Christian goes to war for their nation and they're fighting against other Christians in the war who are in other nations and Christians kill Christians in that war, that ultimately those followers of Jesus have chosen to place their allegiance first in their nation and second in God. That I'm going to fight against other Christians in the name of my nation, in the name of our beliefs, in the name of our flag, and that when we kill other Christians in other nations, we have chosen allegiance to our nation rather than allegiance to God, because Christians shouldn't be killing Christians. Followers of Jesus shouldn't be killing followers of Jesus. And so that's mind-blowing. You stop and think about that. But I think sometimes in our lives we do give our allegiance to things or people above God. I think we can do that with war. I think we can do that with politics. I think we can do that in the workplace. I think we could even do that with our sports affiliations, which, by the way, God does love Tar Heels and Blue Devils and Gamecocks and Tigers. I forgot that earlier in my message. But here, I think sometimes we do choose to make our allegiance to things other than God and then we bring God into the, into the conversation. Right? I'm a heterosexual and God is on my side. Or I'm a homosexual and God is on my side. I'm a Democrat and God is definitely on my side. I'm a Republican and God is definitely on my side. And so right, our identities are, are something in the world 
And then we kind of bring God in and say that God is supporting these identities that we're placing above God. Now you think about our history in, in politics. When John F. Kennedy ran for president here in the United States of America, he was the first Roman Catholic who had a chance of winning the presidency. And people were giving him advice saying this might work against you and that you need to make it clear that you would be president first and that you would be a Catholic second. Your faith would have to take a back seat to your political drive. We saw that recently with Amy uh, Coney Barrett as she was up for the Supreme Court nomination. And, and people were saying to her that you really need to downplay your Christian faith and say that you would be a justice first and that, that your faith in Christ would come second. Right? So that's a Democratic example. That's a Republican example. But basically where our faith, our identity in Christ is having to take a back seat. The way that I read scripture is that's not the way it's supposed to be. That as followers of Jesus, our primary identity is in Jesus. And then everything else falls into place under that. Right? I am a follower of Jesus before I am a white man. I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm a Democrat or Republican. I'm a follower of Jesus before uh, I'm a Duke basketball fan. I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm a heterosexual. I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm a father and a brother and a son and a friend and a pastor, right? My core identity, our core identity, if we follow Jesus, is in Christ, right? And everything else comes from that. But a lot of times we flip-flop that. We, we, we wear our identities on our sleeves, and then we make it so that Jesus comes and supports that again. I'm a Democrat. Jesus is with me. I'm a Republican. Jesus is with me. Rather than, I'm with Jesus, and everything else needs to follow from that. And all of these identities, we're not to disregard them. It's important, right? but they are secondary to our identity in Christ. That is what unifies us, is our identity in Jesus Christ. Now, you may or may not be shocked by this. I'm pretty sure you're not shocked by this. There are even politics in the church, even politics in the church in general and in South Park Church. And I think that, again, if we think of politics as that complex web of relationships in, in humanity, there's politics everywhere, at work, at school, in our families, and again, even in our churches. You might not be surprised that We've had people say to us, we never should have stopped worshiping in-person worship during the pandemic. And we also have people say that we should not be going back to in-person worship. It's too soon to do that. Right? We, we have different opinions about where we are in all sorts of things. We, uh, we just, you know, people have all sorts of ideas about church and how church should be and, and what we're doing. And, you know, honestly, people leave churches all the time uh, for many different reasons. Sometimes people leave because they don't like the style of worship music. Sometimes people leave because uh, they don't like the, the style of the building that we built. People leave over a decision about a staff member, right? We've been through so much change at our church, right? We've changed our name. We changed our staffing model, leadership model. We tore down our church building, and each time, right, we lost people because there's a certain threshold, right? We each have our own issues. I, I can I can handle 
this in the church that I don't agree with, but this is the issue that, that I'm going to have to leave over. And I understand that, right? We, we all have our, our issues that make or break our relationship, even in churches. And we are all over the political and social realm inside of a church. But then there is in every church that I've been aware of, in every church that, that I know of, of all the pastors that I know, there are core groups in churches that no matter what happens are not going anywhere. That no matter what happens with the elections, no matter what happens with the decision about building a building, no matter what happens uh, with anything that's going on inside of a church, we're, we're going to stick it out. Yes, you think like a Democrat, I think like a Republican. Yes, you're homosexual, I'm heterosexual, you're young, I'm old, you're rich, I'm poor, right? We could go on and on about those things, right? You think this way about abortion, you think this way about gun control, right? But at the end of the day, there are groups within churches that still stick around. And they have a huge diversity of thoughts about social and political issues. And, and to me, that's what's interesting. Why are people sticking around? What, what, why are those core groups still in place? What's holding them together, especially when they disagree on so many things outside of, of whatever it is that's holding them together? Because I think if we can figure out what that is that keeps these groups together, that's the hope of our church. That's the hope of our nation. That's the hope of the world. We've got to come to a place where people can think differently about lots of things, but somehow are able to stay together and care for one another together. So what is it that holds South Park Church together, this core group that's been with us, some, some, of, it, some of us for 54 years, some of us definitely over the last seven years that we've been working to relaunch our campus, the last three and a half years that we've been in the frontier without a building, what is it that holds us together when some of us think that, again, we're rushing back too soon with COVID, while some of us think that we should never have left worshiping together in COVID. Some of us think that we are voting correctly for Democrats and some think we're voting correctly for Republicans. Some of us, you get the, you get the idea, right? Some of us think that we're doing too much for social justice and, and campaigning against racism, and, and, and some of us think we're not doing enough, right? Pastor, you need to stop talking about it. Pastor, you need to talk more about that, right? What is it that holds us together in the midst of this? I, I think, personally, I think there's two things. I think, one, it's what we've been talking about. Jesus is Lord, that it's not about us. It's not about our personal desires and our, our leaning towards social or political views, right? It's that we love Jesus. Jesus is Lord, and we want to help people find Jesus because we found Jesus, and that's changed our lives. We found what it means to live life to the full, and so... I think what holds those core groups together in church is what holds the core group together in our church, at South Park Church, is that Jesus is Lord. Right? We're allegiant to Jesus, right? That, that, that holds us together. And I think the second thing that we have in common is that along the way, we really do love each other. We really do enjoy spending time together in, in, in groups together. We love to worship together. We love to be in small groups together. We love to serve God out in the community together. We 
like each other. We love each other. We want to be together in one another's company. And we found a way to not just coexist, but to thrive and to love each other, even when we disagree on so many things. And to me, that's the hope of the world. Jesus is Lord, and that we truly care about each other. Yeah, you voted differently than me. Yeah, you see this differently than I do. Yeah, I would love to be doing this in church, but I know we're not doing this in church. But you know what? I'm not going anywhere because I've got Jesus and I've got you. We love each other, right? We, we are in relationship with one another. We've been here together. And we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. But what we have in common is what holds us together. Our love for God and our love for each other. And that, to me, again, is the hope of the world. That's what's held our church together for 54 years. That's what's held our church together for the last seven years. That's what's held our church together for the last three and a half years. When we've gone through more change than probably any church in the entire nation. Right? We can make that claim. It's just been incredible. And we're going through challenges right now, again, with social issues, political issues. And yet we still keep coming back because we love God and we love each other. We truly do have these relationships, which is a core value of our church. Relationships are the most important thing in the world. So what? So what's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? I hope you've heard me say it several times. I think this is the point that we get from Scripture today, is that Jesus is Lord. We are allegiant to Jesus. Jesus is Lord. We are allegiant to Jesus. We are held together by our faith and our love in Jesus. And then that spills out for one another from Christ, right? Jesus is Lord. We are allegiant to Jesus, right? We have that in common. And then right after that is we, we truly love each other. We care about each other. We invest in relationships. We are able to focus on the commonality more than we are on the differences. And yeah, there's some really strong differences. There's some real tough differences of opinion. And, 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 and these are on issues that are, they're not slight. Like they go to the core of who we are in our own individual lives. And yet we are able to stay in this tension with each other because we're anchored in Christ. And I just want to thank you. Thank you, South Park Church. Thank you for those of you who stuck it out. Thank those of you who, who are new and are becoming part of our core, who are part of our core. Right? I think the way that we're doing this is the way that, that the world has hope because Jesus is working through us. So what I would challenge us all to do, to continue doing, are three things. And, and these are, are three things that are they're, they're known as the general rules of the United Methodist Church. And I'm not saying keep a bunch of rules, but I just think these things are cool. If you saw my Facebook post this week, you're not going to be surprised by these. But John Wesley, founder of our church, said there's, there's three things that are super important to us as followers of Jesus in the Methodist tradition. And the first is do no harm. The second is do good. And the third is stay in love with God. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. As we think about how we interact with people, over this election, as we interact with people over any social issue, whether it's on social media, whether it's face-to-face. -face, right? In America right now, what we tend to do is we tend to demonize the other people. Right? If you're not with me, then you must be an evil person. Uh, you must be a bigot. You must be this or that. We throw all kinds of labels, and you guys know that I'm not a, uh, not a fan of labels. Right? But, but 
We see someone not as a person who has a different opinion. We see them as morons and idiots and, and evil people who are trying to destroy us. And, and sometimes rarely that's true, but a lot of times it's not. It's just somebody has a different opinion, right? So in our, in our relationships, in our discussions, on social media, in person, rather than demonize someone, do no harm. Let's listen to each other. Let's learn from each other. Right? Do good. Right? Again, Jesus brings these, these kingdom principles, kingdom of heaven principles into the world where we're supposed to love our enemies. Right? That doesn't mean we have warm, fuzzy feelings for them. It means that we treat them kindly. Right? So do good, do no harm. I know that a lot of us could go on our social media and, and, and say that we're not always doing good and, and we're doing a lot of harm in our conversations with one another, in our gossip sessions behind people's backs. How many times are we doing good? How many times are we doing harm? Do good, do no harm, right? Do no harm, do good. And then stay in love with God. What that means is right, we got to keep God first, right? The main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing. And the way that we do that is we worship together. We read the Bible together. We pray together. We're in small groups together. We serve together. We feed the hungry together. All those things that Jesus is talking about. So when, when we're in love with God, that flows out into people and we can do no harm and, and do good. So those are three practical things I want you to think about. Every conversation you have this week, every action that you have that's related to politics or a social issue, I want you to run through that checklist. Am I doing harm? Am I doing good? Am I staying in love with God? Because the stakes are huge. The stakes are huge. America is at a crossroads. A literal, I think it's at a literal crossroads. We are right down the middle, right? 50-50 on just about every issue, social issue, political issue, and it's tearing our nation apart. You see the anger, you see the frustration from the coronavirus to racism to politics to the economy, uh, everything, right? We're right down the middle. And we're doing a lot of harm and we're demonizing the other side. And, 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 and America can go one of two ways. We can find a way to move forward together, unified, even though we don't agree on everything. Or we can split right down the middle and this good nation will bite the dust. And don't think that it can. Every nation, every empire in the history of the world rises and falls. And I don't think that God wants us to give up. I think God wants us to work together to make America a great nation, to make this world a great place. But we've got to put in the work and we've got to call on the Holy Spirit and we've got to surrender to Christ, right? We, we've got to do our part as God does God's part. And, and, and we have two choices. Either we figure out a way to be unified while we still think differently or we're going to split in half, and it's not going to be pretty. I think we should go for the unity side of things. I love this country. I want us to be a great country. I want us to, to share God with as many people as we possibly can. I think that God's not done with us yet. I think there's a bright future for us as Americans, as Christians in America, as, as all of America. As, I, I believe that there are better days ahead. And so I pray that whoever's elected to lead us as president or governors or senators or Congress people, right, that they will work together to bring people together, to unify the nation, because the nation's not unified, that these leaders will unify the nation, that we can agree to disagree and, and move forward together 
in, in some main areas, right, that we agree on, right, that leaders do that. But I'm saying to you as followers of Jesus, I'm saying to you as South Park Church family, don't wait on the leaders to do that. Don't wait on the politicians to do that. That's something we have to do right now. That's something that we have the power to do as followers of Jesus in our everyday lives. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a top-down approach. It can be a grassroots level up, right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so wouldn't it be amazing if, if the South Park community, the Charlotte community, would take notice of South Park Church to say, you know what, that's an interesting group of people. They're black people and white people. They're young people and old people. There's rich people and poor people, right? There, there are healthy, physically healthy people. There's, there's physically sick people, right? There are Democrats and Republicans and, and there are independents and, and, and they disagree about a lot of things. But yet they seem to really get along with each other and they seem to love each other and they're doing great things in Charlotte. They're doing great things in North Carolina. They're doing great things around the world. What is it that this group has that that the the rest of of a lot of Americans are missing? We and every other church in America have an opportunity to be a light to the world. That's what Jesus says. He says he, he gives us his light. We're supposed to shine that light to the world. And you and I can do that in our everyday lives. So I just would encourage you to to keep doing what we're doing. Stay united together in Jesus. Do no harm. Do good. And then stay in love with God. And that we, in our everyday example, just in our everyday interactions with each other and the people in our lives, we can turn this thing around because we have the hope of the world. And that's Jesus in us. So if you're stressing over politics, if you're stressing over the economy, you're stressing over the pandemic, you're stressing over whatever you're stressing over, I get it, and and we're going to be stressed. But at the end, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus has plans for us, plans to give us life to the full in this place and in this time. Jesus is Lord. We are allegiant to Jesus. In our relationships, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And with all that good stuff happening, with the power of Jesus Christ, it's going to be okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.